the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Joining me now to talk a little bit about income and retirement and more, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He and I have worked together for 17 or 18 years, we've decided recently. Uh, feels like a long time, but it also goes by in a flash. Uh, we're going to be doing an event tomorrow night, building a retirement portfolio that lasts at the Four Points by Sheraton San Jose Airport. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You don't want your retirement portfolio to run out in retirement. You want your income to last at least until you get six feet under the ground. Um, and then whatever happens to it, kind of up to you, in my opinion. How are you, Mr. Burton? Great. Looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, it should be a good time. Um, let's talk about a, a successful retirement picture. I think we're all well aware of people who don't have a successful retirement picture of what that's going to look like. But assuming somebody has done a good job with their budget, uh, what does a high success probability retirement look like? Well, yeah, and that's the key we talked about yesterday because most people don't um, really do a good job with their budget because they don't know how to assume what the taxes are and health care costs. But let's assume they did it. Um, a high successful probability, or a high probability of success, rather, sort of backwards. But um, now the the new one would be drawing three and a half percent or less at sixty five. That so, if you look at your overall portfolio and you say, okay, if I have a balanced portfolio, at least half stocks, if not a little bit more, and the rest in defensive assets, bonds, CDs, things like that, if I can live off of three and a half percent or less, then I'm I'm probably going to be okay. Um, at the same time, you also have to have a rebalancing strategy. How are you going to chip away at the gains in the stocks and replenish and, and kind of keep your mix of conservative and aggressive assets? Then the next step would be, do you have long-term care insurance? Do you, or at least a family plan, um, if somebody goes into a nursing home, if you, if you, maybe you're not healthy enough to buy long-term care insurance or maybe you're older, um, you have a plan so that, okay, if, if one of us goes into a nursing home, here's how we're going to pay for it. And we've done some 
projections, assuming one of us or both of us go in for three to five years at some point in our life. And then also a tax plan, a, a plan to fight the IRA tax trap. Most people are retiring the majority of their assets in a 401k or IRA. Those assets have not been taxed yet. And once you get to 70 and a half, the IRS says, hey, time to pull money out, whether or not you want to, and pay taxes on it. So you can really smooth that out and fight that plan um, between ages of retirement and age 69 and do partial Roth conversions. And then really a fully dialed in estate plan where um, you know things change a bit in retirement. You, you have a better idea of how much you're going to have and you update your beneficiaries and things like that. So lots to obviously think about um, and something people can, again, come to San Jose tomorrow night, sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. What are some of the ways people can reduce taxes in retirement? Well, one of the biggest ones is smoothing out the taxes because what a lot of okay. people do is they focus on what they used to do during the accumulation phase, and that's how do I pay the least amount of taxes each and every year. And so they get into retirement and they say, okay, I'm going to first spend my cash because there's no taxes on it. And then I'm going to sell my taxable account stocks and mutual funds because I'm only going to pay capital gains. And then they finally are left over with just their IRAs. And then they find themselves, you know, 75 years old and they need to do a rebottle on their home. And in order to get 50 grand out, they have to pull out, you know, $100,000, pay taxes to net the 50. Um, and then there's a required minimum distribution. So a good retirement plan will have a, a detailed cash flow projection so you can clearly see how your required minimum distributions at age 70 and a half and over affect your tax bracket. And sometimes you do, like I said, partial Roth conversions from your retirement age, whether it's 55, 60, 65, to age 69. And then every year you meet with your CPA in November and say, okay, what's my marginal bracket and how much room do I have left? And maybe you do partial Roth conversions even after required minimum distributions kick in. Um, and then asset location is a big one. I really like my taxable accounts and retirement to be, uh, a mix of tax-free bonds and dividend-paying stocks and everything else I like to get in the retirement accounts, small cap exposure, emerging markets, international. Um, that's the most tax-efficient way to do it. And then also, what's the best way to do it when, when it comes to charity? A lot of people that are successful and have enough to retire really like to give money to their church and favorite charities, and hopefully this thing where you can – roll some of your required minimum distribution over every seven and a half directly to a charity stays with us because that's a great benefit to charity. And it's something a lot of people just don't know about and they don't do. And it's a good way to reduce your taxes in retirement. Question for you. I don't sit down with a CP every year and have them figure out my marginal tax bracket and Roth conversions, IRA, things along those lines. You kind of, it feels a little bit like voodoo when you say it to me and I'm, more educated than the average person on financial issues. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you do, know, do, I need, do I need to sit down with a CFP? Okay. Go ahead. Should I sit down with a CFP and say, you do this for me, or do I have to do it myself? Well, so the, C- <clears throat> the CFP is going to kind of be the quarterback or captain of the ship, steer it around. We still use a CPA um, that has all of right. the input. You know, they... Your CPA, if they're they're good, they're obviously using technology, and they can take the information and run a quick projection for, right? You know the final numbers for the year. Um, very few, though, have the time to reach out to you and remind you to come in in November and make sure you're on track because there's by January 15th you have to make a payment if you're you're underfunded. 
And um, so it's a good idea for people to reach out to them. And we're, when we're doing things like Roth conversions or any major estate planning, we're bringing the CPA in and say, hey, let's run some projections. Because if you have to pay them an hourly rate, it's worth it to make sure you're not making mistakes. Um, a lot of people try to keep their costs down and, and only see their CPA once a year. I think that's silly because a lot of times if you're proactive and you do things before December 31st, you can save yourself more money than what you're going to pay the CPA. Okay, moving onward. Uh, again, people can meet you tomorrow night, uh, Thursday, 6.30 to 9, uh, talking building retirement portfolio that lasts, reducing risk with diversification, rebalancing portfolio and retirement. People can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com for the four points by Sheraton San Jose Airport. It's five bucks. All of that goes to charity, um, which is a good thing. What changes with an estate plan in retirement? Obviously, things need to evolve. Yeah, and first of all, we'll have Michelle Lerman to talk about some major estate planning changes that happened December 31st of 2012. And most people have trusts that actually cause their heirs to pay more in capital gains taxes now these days. So trusts have to change. And by the time you actually hit retirement, that's the point in time where it's pretty easy to to project out and see what is truly going to be left over to your kids in IRAs, in stocks, in mutual funds, in your house. And so you can really see the values of what you're dealing with. And, and by then, your kids are a little bit older. Are they good with money or bad with money? Do you need trust to protect them from horrible you know, spouses? Um, is there special needs issues? So you really, it's a good time to have the time to actually really dive into your estate plan and what do you want to have happen. Um, also, things like if you are going to benefit charities after you pass away or your church, Use IRA funds to do it and fix your beneficiaries um, because IRAs, if your kids get them, they can roll them over into an inherited IRA to name the beneficiaries the right way and defer taxes over their lifetime. The charities won't pay any taxes at all on the IRA, so everybody wins then. Uh, so Sounds- it, it, you also need to really fix your, your durable power Sounds of attorney, which is if you're disabled. Got to cut you off. You. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Sign up for the event tomorrow night, 630 to 9 at newfocusfinancial.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about as far as you. Um, in retirement, obviously... Preparing for retirement is different for all of us, and that's one of the big flaws. Um, Life is complicated. Money's complicated. Individuals are complicated, whether it's we have one kid, two kids, three kids, four kids, or no kids. Families come in all shapes and sizes. Um, And we need to recognize that when it comes to the idea of retirement. Traditional families can often rely on their younger offspring to help take care of them. Uh, Whether it be the way I do with my mother, 
uh, reading her financial documents, reading her insurance paperwork, reading anything that she gets sent in the mail. Um, that's my contribution to let everyone in my, I've got four brothers and a sister, family know what's going on with mom. Now, that's my traditional tip in. I don't want my mom to live with me, and I don't want to take care of her. And I see people who do that. And a lot of times they take time off from work. A lot of times they do, you know, big sacrifice in their own life. Um, I'm not saying that I'm that small of a person that I wouldn't do it, but I'd rather pay to do it than to physically do it. Um, when my dad was dying of cancer, I got to take him to get his uh, chemotherapy and radiation. It was a weird role reversal in my life where I was driving him. He used to drive me to soccer, and now I'm driving him to the doctor. And it's pretty surreal when you go through that process of the role reversals. And it's, it's what are you comfortable with, what are you not? And what are you good at and what are you not? So you should know your strength and, and flaws before you find yourself in a scenario where aging is going to be playing a role in your life with someone's retirement, including your own. Um, I have two grandparents that, uh, not me directly, but indirectly, uh, that died in their home age 92 and 95 uh, and only needed very very minimal care uh, my direct mother on the other hand is in a retirement home uh, that she needs a lot of care she's not at the point of you know being in uh, in a bed she could still walk and everything but um it's not a, it's not pretty so childless couples have to look at retirement slightly different and this is something we'll be talking about at the event tomorrow night in San Jose, retirement income, income and retirement, making sure you have enough to last. But childless couples have to think of things ever so slightly different um, because they won't have the younger people around to, you know, my eyesight's going, my reading eyesight's going. And when I read insurance paperwork now, it's almost like you have to get the magnifying glass out. Um with you know years in financial services, I can I can tell you that you need that extra person that you, you can trust. Today's retirees are retiring with more debt than their predecessors. The majority of that debt is mortgage debt. A report recently by the Employee Benefits Research Institute showed that between 1992 and 2010, the number of 75 plus age households with a mortgage increased from 10% to 24%. And keep in mind, you're not pulling in income. You're getting Social Security and maybe some income in retirement. So I think this is in large part due to a combination of Americans buying their dream houses later in life, upsizing their homes even as they approach or reach retirement, and taking loans against their homes. Um, so obviously paying off your mortgage is going to be a big issue in the ability to pay it off in retirement. I hope everyone out there has kind of an idea of what retirement is going to mean to you, even if you're 35 years old and having a baby right now you need to start thinking about what retirement means to you because ultimately you're 20 years from retirement, maybe 25. Uh, your baby's going to grow up fast, and then you're going to be left to asking the question of, what do I do? I want you to have enough focus, enough determination, enough stamina to figure out um, your income needs in retirement, to fund those income needs in retirement, and what those income needs in retirement are going to do. 
Um, are you going to be traveling? Are you going to be on a boat? Are you going to be backpacking? Are you going to do the Grand Canyon hike or the Pacific Trail or the Appalachian Trail? You know, the definition of retirement is different for all of us, and the way we need to fund it is different. Long-term care is one of the worst things in the world. Um, as we age and we can't take care of ourselves, we need someone to take care of us, and that's called long-term care. It's probably the most complex component of the medical expenses that we are going to run into. I say this, and sometimes it's almost jokingly, the best thing some people can do is work and then die. Because when you get in the situation where you're in a wheelchair or you can't walk or your mind can't think, you can't process, you can't possibly drive, it becomes very expensive. So somewhere in your late 40s, early 50s, if your mom or dad uh, needed long-term care, like my mom needs long-term care. She's in a nursing facility. She needs someone there to solicit, uh, to give her her pills. <clears throat> she needs someone there to cook for her. Uh, but somewhere in your late 40s, early 50s, you should invest in long-term care insurance if one of your parents needed it and if your health is good. Now, the average nursing home costs about $80,000 annually for a semi-private room, and that, that number's going to be going up. So let's say you go in, let's say my mom's in a nursing home for 10 years. That's $800,000, right? Plus. So like I said, sometimes the best thing to happen is just to, to work until you die. <clears throat> and hopefully it's a fast heart attack or something like that. And I know that's the most morbid thing I could possibly say. It's like I was watching hockey the other night, and Mike Milbury said, uh, hey, if you're going to take a foul for hitting someone, you should at least give them a concussion or break something. And you're like, ooh, that's cringeworthy. Cringeworthy moment. Um, but I'm just talking about the financial ramifications. It's like, you know, make sure your spouse loves you and make sure you love your spouse because if one of you have a heart attack, um, getting your, your high knee to the doctor fast will be the difference of saving your life and, and or not. And the cost of letting you die and taking the insurance is a lot easier than the cost of the medical expenses that you're going to incur after a doctor basically uses a saw to crack open your ribs and open up your heart and save your life. Um, those expenses do add up. Even if you have insurance, they do add up. Um, so also, if you don't have children, for instance, and you're heading towards retirement, you're really going to want to take into the account social needs. Sometimes... The only social contact my mom gets is when her kids visit, the kids and the grandkids. If you have no kids, there are no kids and grandkids to visit, and yet you still need a little bit of social stimulus. Building a retirement portfolio that lasts Thursday night tomorrow, four points by Sheraton San Jose Airport. You can find the event online at Rob Black Show. Sign up at 6.30 to 9. If you've never been to an event, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Dot com, Robert Robert.com, and I'll send you a code to get in. It's $5. All of it goes to some sort of local charity. But it's tomorrow night, building your retirement portfolio that lasts. There must be something in the water. And there must be something about your daughter. She said, I love you nothing but a monster. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Overtime pay in the news today, and rightfully so. <clears throat> the last time we really saw any overhaul of the over of the overtime pay protections, it's it's kind of late 90s, um, but it all goes back to a 1930s rule, which required employers to pay one and a half times a worker's regular salary for any work past 40 hours a week. You know, like 1930s. And it's been tinkered with. The problem is, this is, and this isn't a problem, this is a good thing, uh, in my opinion. This is going to force some companies to make managers more like hourly employees, which is bad, but it's also going to stop the abuse of the role of a manager in the fast food and retail industry, where they typically work longer hours than their employees. And by the time you factor in their hours, they're making just as much as their hourly employees are. So the annual threshold at which companies can deny overtime pay is doubled from 23,660 to 47,500. Um, and that's going to make 4.2 million more salaried workers eligible. Hourly workers will continue to be mostly guaranteed overtime. The rule change will add about $1.2 billion a year over the next decade into the lower and middle income workers of the United States. And I think that's a good thing. One of the areas that I drives me crazy is payday loans um, and title loans. They're two of the most sickest financial products out there, even though they serve a niche, the market, that no one else is serving. And you could say, that's a good thing, but I could say it seems to be pretty nefarious. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is looking at why and how cash-strapped borrowers get sucked into a vehicle title loan or a payday loan. The title loan typically consumes about 50% of the average borrower's paycheck, and the average borrower needs to come up with another two to three more title loans to eventually try to get out of a situation. So the default rate is high on both payday loans, but especially on title loans. And you know what a title loan is, is, hey, do you need money? You can get up to $25,000. Just bring in the title of your car. <clears throat> interest rates could be triple digits, except in states where they're either banned or have specific interest rate caps. Triple digit interest rates. Now, banks and credit unions are being pressured on their own part to come up with these payday loans or auto title loans that have lower costs. Um, but banks in, already have their own version of a small dollar loan, which is called the overdraft fee, where when you need 5 to $10 to pay for that cup of coffee, uh, if you go over uh, your limit or over how much money you have in your account, you get jacked a $30 fee, and that's kind of triple digit as well, right? So payday loans, very, very problematic. Um I have an event coming up tomorrow night in San Jose. Uh, it's income and retirement. I'm going to go over some stock ideas. I'm going to go over some ETF ideas. Hopefully, I'll see you out there. Amazon just opened its first ever brick-and-mortar store last year, and they said at their um, conference that they, they, they think they'll do more. So they're definitely open to opening more stores, and it's still an experiment. They opened one in Seattle last year. They're opening one in Southern California this year. Um, why would you want to open a traditional brick-and-mortar store when you see traditional brick-and-mortar stores struggling? Uh, 
well, it depends on if he can crack the code. Like uh, Steve Jobs, before he died, he told his biographer uh, that he had cracked the code on the TV. It hasn't happened yet, but cracking the code is kind of like, ooh. And that's why you look at Jeff Bezos and you go, he is a genius if he's using phrases like cracking the code. In 2012, he told Charlie Rose in an interview that he'd love to open a brick-and-mortar store, but only if Amazon could have a truly differentiated idea, i.e. cracking the code. Um, but some of those are already starting to show up. At Amazon's first retail store in Seattle, the book covers face outwards instead of being displayed spine out. There's online reviews are shown next to each product. There's no price next to the book because they can give you last-minute pricing that you know reflects the latest price on Amazon.com. So they're tinkering with some of this. I don't know if that's enough, but also the retail store location, if you put one every 10 miles, it could serve, or for every five miles, it could serve as a, a drop-off location for returning your stuff that Amazon Prime brought to you. Uh, there's ideas out there, to say the least. So not of all of them are going to be winners, but you get the idea. General Motors may be in a little bit of heat. They're pulling the stickers. They're asking the dealers to peel the stickers out of their 2016 Traverse, 2016 Enclave, 2016 Acadia. And the it has the wrong miles per gallon that it gets, and it's too high by two or three miles per gallon. So the consumer reports is saying, well, maybe we're going to have to go back and look at some of your previous claims and your previous stickers. And you can see where that could become an issue of can you trust GM. Microsoft has sold its feature phone business to Foxconn, basically closing the deal on their Nokia brand phone. Um, so they're basically getting $350 million from Foxconn. And, you know, Foxconn is going to get the right to use the Nokia brand, and 4,500 employees are also going to work for them. Google's got a developers conference that's going on this weekend, or not this weekend, but this week. I think it's Friday already. <laughs> that's not good. Get ready for a whole lot of Google news. Great Google to Moogle it, all right? Um, the company kicks off its annual three-day long developers conference at a big stadium near its headquarters in Mountain View. Um, they try to school a lot of developers who come in, but they also show off a lot of cool tech ideas that they've been working on for the last year and try to show you like uh, things to get excited about. So we'll hear fun things from Google in the next couple of days. Shares of Tesla Motors up today. Goldman Sachs had a bullish call on the electric car maker stock. They upgrade Tesla to buy from neutral, saying it. It sees 22% upside to its six-month price target of 250. They think the volume targets are ambitious coming out of Tesla. They think the street and investor expectations seem more grounded and following a 23% decline in the share price. They think Tesla shares are kind of capturing, you know, where they should be, but kind of missing some of their disruptive potential going forward. So they're... Goldman Sachs, in their research note this morning, says, putting in our reservation for the Model 3. So Goldman Sachs' valuation is based on five probability weighted scenarios plus stationary storage optionality, all of which could embed a 20% cost of capital. So they're being stretchy, to say the least, with how they're coming up with their ability to justify Tesla as a 22% upside. 
when I look at Donald Trump and I look at Hillary Clinton, I, it makes me feel like a mouse crawled in my mouth, vomited and died. And then he gets back up and becomes a zombie who vomits again and dies again. Only because of last night's headline. And it's tied towards dueling disclosures. I'm not saying who I'm voting for. I don't really think that's the place of my show. But Hillary Clinton last night reported that income she and her husband, Bill Clinton, received from speaking fees his nosedive. While Donald Trump has said, you know, his income exceeds $557 million a year. They're both trying to, Hillary Clinton's trying to say, yeah, I used to make millions of dollars on speeches. Not so much anymore. That's pretty egregious, I think. And for Trump, his number is clearly inflated. Bill Clinton received almost $1.7 million in new speaking fees from June through November last year. A number that was down from $23 million. Um, for the couple in their last disclosure. So that's a, a pretty big drop of 93%. So Clinton's campaign has been dogged by questions about speaking fees she's disclosed previously. Both of these press releases, oddly enough, happened at night when maybe they wouldn't be picked up by news agencies. Uh, Trump says, you know, he put a 104-page financial disclosure together, and he says, I'm proud to say it's the largest in the history of the Federal Election Commission. Um, size matters to him when you're talking, you know, his net worth. Um, but you're already starting to see sources like the Wall Street Journal say he's clearly exaggerating it. Um, now, when does Trump actually disclose his taxes? Um, he, he's hiding behind, and it's an obligation to file it, not to release it. So the tax returns might conflict with his net worth. The tax returns might show other areas that bring up questions. Trump has interest in real estate, golf resorts, licensing, amongst other things. He's declined to release his tax returns, saying he will do so after the IRS completes an audit. The IRS officials have said there's no reason taxpayers can't make their returns public even during audits. Um, it's sloppy to say the least, right? Clinton's campaign, back to her, has grappled with the fallout of last year's report that, you know, over $25 million in fees her and her husband got for giving speeches. So far, they've earned over $126 million in speaking fees since Bill Clinton left the presidency in 2001. You hear numbers like that, and you hear numbers like Trump's income at $500 plus million dollars. Um, his value at $2.9 billion or $10 billion. You're just like, who's running this country? It's going to be one of them, right? That's the thought. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can find me at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, you can meet me tomorrow night in San Jose. Um, do come out. Uh, wine and cheese is served. Uh, Building a retirement portfolio that lasts four points by Sheraton in San Jose Airport. You can sign up for the event at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. YouTube Rob Black Show, but you can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app.
haven't done very many events this year, so getting behind this one and put a big push on it. Build a retirement portfolio that lasts at four points by Sheraton Thursday night. That's tomorrow night, 6.30 to 9. Uh, you can try your best to accumulate assets. Then you do your best to make sure those assets don't run out before you die. Uh, you want income in retirement to last all the way through. Um, myself and Chad Burton will run the building retirement portfolio that last. We bring in Michelle Lerman. She's an estate planning attorney. Michelle, what will you be talking about tomorrow at the event? We're going to focus on new laws that affect people's assets because, after all, people work so hard during their lifetime to accumulate assets and and oftentimes not enough time spent on thinking, what if I'm incapacitated or what if I should die? So we're going to talk about how to simply and easily leave your assets to those that you want to receive them. So given an example of some of the content that you do and what's in your head, you're an estate planner. Obviously, people accumulate assets. They want to pass them on. Um, one of the biggest way, easiest ways to understand an estate is, do you, you know, someone dies, how much money do they have for the kids, the inheritance, the wills, the trust? If someone has kids, do the kids get their parents' inheritance if the parent doesn't have any written estate plan? Well, you would think that the kids would get the inheritance, but actually if you don't have a written estate plan, as I said before, California has one for you, and it's not always the plan that you thought that it was. So it depends on a lot of different factors. So, for example, if you have separate property and you're married, so separate property would be something you had before your marriage, something that you inherited, something that you were gifted. So if under California law it's separate property and you are married and you have a child, your spouse is going to get part of it and your kids are going to get part of it. You may want your spouse to get all of it or you may want your kids to get all of it. And that's something that you need to specify. There was an interesting case, if you wanted me to go into it, about a Harvard couple that they weren't married and the woman had a baby and that was a really surprising result. And that happens sometimes where, you know, uh, the dad doesn't want to be named or various circumstances, both parents aren't put on the uh, birthing certificate. Uh, what do you do in those type of scenarios? And what if the, the father, well, I'll let you run through some scenarios on it. Right. Well, what, this was actually a case that happened. It was actually a recently decided decision in our, in our courts. And there was an unmarried couple who had a baby, and the father never recognized the child as, as his child. And even though paternity tests showed, in fact, that it was his child, he, there was a record of him saying it's against my religion to have a baby out of wedlock, and, and I don't want anyone to know that this is my child. Well, they never got married, and, and he died. The father died. And so they went to court to claim that the child, and there was a paternity test, again, proving that, in fact, this was his child, that the baby should inherit his all of his assets. And surprisingly, the court said no, that the father never acknowledged the baby as his own, and that under the California laws called intestate succession, this isn't going to fly. This this baby isn't going to inherit because California law wanted to impose what a person would have wanted. And normally a person would have wanted their children to inherit. But in this case, 
this parent didn't even want to acknowledge that the baby was his. So shockingly, that baby uh, did not did not get the father's inheritance. So there's a lesson in it, though. Don't create a written estate plan. Don't rely on California law. These laws are always constantly changing, and I saw in Europe late last year there was a law being introduced that if the man, if man and woman get pregnant, the man has up to four months before the baby's born, up to five months before the baby's born, up to four months after the pregnancy, to say, I don't want anything to do with it. Get an abortion or I'm out, um, mm. which is pretty fascinating. It just goes to show you, you're going to be in business for quite a while, mm-hmm. Michelle, as laws trickle yeah. around different countries and what right. is a dad and what is not a dad, obviously, um, is questionable. So uh, obviously California law is something you don't really want to count on when it comes to an estate plan. You really want to figure this out while you're alive, you know, get the kids what they need and actually enjoy the relationship that you have with your children or anyone that you want to leave an inheritance to. What's the process of going about writing a written plan, whether it be a will or trust? Well, it's generally best to talk to an estate planner, uh, an, an attorney, a professional advisor, because you could go about writing your own will. Yes, it's valid, believe it or not. You can write your own will if it's all in your own handwriting, dated, signed, witnessed. But there's also been some recent decisions where people have written their own wills and the court has interpreted what the person meant to say, that even though clearly the will said one thing, the court interpreted it as something different because the will omitted one circumstance. And, and I'm going to talk about more, more about that at the event. So yeah, you could do a handwritten will, you could do a California statutory will form, but typically most people who have assets are probably going to have a living trust and they're probably going to have a pour over will, meaning a will that puts the assets into the living trust, and then the living trust is just the instruction manual on who gets what and who's in charge. Thanks very much. You can find Michelle Lerman at LermanLaw.com. It's LermanLaw.com, but she's also going to be coming to the event Building a Retirement Portfolio that lasts four points by Sheraton San Jose Airport. Um, She does great work. She's done great work for me. She's got these concepts about real estate that she can help apply to your estate plan or your will, about transferring on death deeds and how that's a good thing and not a bad thing Um, doesn't avoid taxes but it does avoid probate so there's always these new twinks and twicks uh, tied towards laws that you need an attorney to help you set this up you really don't want to go through life accumulating assets die and then your heirs not get what you wanted them to get or it costs you an enormous amount of money for them to get those assets Um, she'll be there tomorrow night Four Points with Sheraton in San Jose. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. If you want to talk to her, you can find her at lermanlaw.com. That's lermanlaw.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.